Hello and welcome everyone to the Ciencia Podcast. Today we are actually going to introduce our new host, Gina. She's also a Ciencia Fellow here uh, with Matias and me today. And we just want to get to know you a little closer, actually. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me in this podcast. Hello, Matias. How are you? Hello, Andrea. I'm really fine today and I'm really looking forward to this podcast today with Gina. Let's find out a little more about you, Gina. Who are you? Can you tell us? That's a pretty generic question. Wow. Yes, it's difficult. Uh, <laughs> who am I? Uh, professionally speaking, I guess. Yes, of course. So I like to call myself the sensor girl. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because it's my passion. Um, okay. I've uh, I have discovered electrochemical uh, sensors mm-hmm. uh, uh, nine years ago now. Okay. And since then, I always wanted to use them again, but life, yeah, I couldn't. Uh, but now with the Sienja Fellows, I had the opportunity. Let me tell you, that sounds like a long uh, career path. So we have some (laughs) stuff to talk here about, I think. Okay, why sensors? Can you tell us what is this sensor thing? So uh, practically, um, uh, what I discovered nine years ago is that there are these uh, sensor arrays Mm -hmm. that work like the tongue, the human tongue works. Because you know that the the tongue has uh, a lot of uh, buds. Okay. Uh, an adult tongue can have up to ten thousand buds, okay. and each bud has around one hundred uh, sensing cells. And uh, you know this map in the tongue in which it's mm-hmm. divided uh, the, the sour taste, zone. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's bullshit. Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's not responsibility. Okay. <laughs> that's not. That's uh, misleading. Okay. Let's say misleading. Okay. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, so? because it's true that certain parts of the tongue are uh, more specialized with certain flavors, but okay. all the tongue can taste everything. Yeah. But. Mm, so, uh, for instance, a specific bud uh, in the of the ten thousand we have will have more predisposition to sense uh, sour something or something uh, yeah. more than acidic, mm-hmm. for instance. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a sensor array that works like the tongue. So yeah. you have a lot of sensors that have different sensibilities to different things. And I Be- guess that's yeah. just in the tongue. But we have a lot more different types as well. In yeah, the of, whole, uh, of course, in the body yeah. we have other kind of biosensors, yeah. we call, call, call yeah. them maybe. But um, when talking about these electrochemical sensors, for instance, they, each of them is made uh, in a different way or yeah. functionalized or modified in a different way. So they are sensing different things in different ways. Okay. And uh, so that's how these... Uh, these uh, multi-sensors are um, uh, Working, interpreting yeah. the information in the in the solutions like it was tasting a pizza. Yeah, okay. So I can see sensors is a bit of your little yes. world. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was nine years ago, you said. Yes. So can I ask, did you start doing your PhD nine years no. ago in this? No, How? that was before my PhD, actually. Even before, okay. Yes, I did a one-year period research there in Spain, uh, working with this. 
and uh, that I, then I could I could not stay because there was no uh, financial support. Okay. Uh, we didn't find, but uh, fortunately, I found the possibility to do my PhD in Italy. After okay. that, Italy, but not on sensing, unfortunately. Okay, so then you change field. Actually. I had to change field. You change, yes. you change lab, you change country, and you change field. That's yes. a lot of changing. Yes, and I was going uh, by my own, leaving okay. uh, family, friends, and couple okay. in Spain. <laughs> okay, but actually, I was excited. You know, it was a it was a challenging experience okay. that I wanted to live both professionally and personally. Yeah. So, how can I ask how many years were you in Italy? So, I stayed there for five years and a half. Okay. Yeah. How how long is the PhD in Italy? Three years. Three years. But okay. I did a postdoc after that. Okay. So you in did, another lab. You did both. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then you moved to Norway. Uh, yes. <laughs> Why? Because, because love. Oh, because love. <laughs> so, because um, Corona as well. Okay. Um, my husband finished his PhD in Italy and found a job in uh, Norway. Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay a bit longer in Italy, mm -hmm. but unfortunately that wasn't possible due to uh, Corona-related financial cuts. Would you like to go back to Italy? I wouldn't dislike that no. actually. Um, during my P, my not the PhD, but during the postdoc there, I began working with sensors again. Okay. Not yeah. sensor arrays. Yeah, my passion. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. So, um, uh, as I was saying, uh, I would uh, I could uh, work with sensors, but um, I wasn't working with sensor arrays, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I could do here in Norway with okay. the project uh, of so the Scientia Fellows. Let's go to the Scientia Fellows project then. Yep. What mm -hmm. uh, you came here because of love, but then you found this position. Yes. Can we find out what you're doing here mm -hmm. then with that project? What is the project about? Yes. So uh, there are these cells from the back of the eye, from the retina. Mm -hmm. Uh, which uh, when uh, they uh, die, mm -hmm. they can cause uh, a different um, vision, vision impairment. Okay. There are sensors as well. As well. Uh, no. Well, yeah, <laughs> in a yes. way. Not them, but they are feeding sensors. Okay. Mm. They, are feeding they are feeding the sensors, okay, yes, my, the photoreceptors of the eye. Mm -hmm. The thing is when these uh, cells die, the photoreceptors die, so we lose uh, vision. So uh, it is important, well, one of the most promising ways of uh, solving uh, this uh, problem is to transplant uh, healthy cells on, uh, on patches, which are covered with, with healthy cells. But mm -hmm. before transplantation, we have to check that the cells are fine mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we have to do it in a non-destructive way yeah, because otherwise we don't have cells to transplant. Mm -hmm. And that's where my sensors come into play. Okay. Because these sensors basically are reading the molecules that are in the liquid food of the cells in culture mm -hmm. and uh, can interpret whether the cells are healthy enough or not, or mature enough or not, for transplanting. Okay, so oh. just to bring it down to earth <laughs> a little, so just if I follow you, uh, you get this sample. Where do you get the samples from? Which the cells, you, yeah, actually it's human cells. It's human Yeah, we samples. isolate from donors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have donors where you isolate your samples and then you just have to test that your samples are good or not enough for the transplantation? Uh, not at that point. 
Ah. The cells are first uh, seeded on the top of biodegradable uh, materials. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. That and will be I the patches. You. Now I follow you. That okay. will be the patches that will be transplanted into so the once, eye. So once you obtain the cells and everything, then is when you check if they are uh, fine or not. From After culturing yes. them in these patches. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They are monitored for some time and it's checked if the cells are fine or not. And then, and then your sensors will say if this is good or not sample. Exactly. Mm. That's it. So for the moment, we are studying the different molecules that are giving us the most information with the less effort, let's say. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the best biomarkers mm-hmm. to check uh, the quality of these cells. Oh, in science, we like a lot this word, biomarkers. <laughs> It's my second passion, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, maybe, Sensors and biomarkers. Maybe you can tell us a little about what is a biomarker. It's something biological that marks something. It's a label. Oh, come right? on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's, it's a, a molecule that can be an indicator of something. It, and it's not just molecules, but uh, the biomarkers I'm looking for, it's molecules that are characteristic of good or bad uh, cell metabolism, mm-hmm. meaning that the cells are better or worse mm-hmm. for transplantation. Yes. Do you have any question, Matthias? Sorry. Yeah, I'm just uh, curious about your journey still. So what was your PhD then about? Because you said it was not about <laughs> sensors. That's true. <laughs> so uh, that that's very interdisciplinary, actually. It was about uh, luminescent um, complexes mm. for biomedical applications. And uh, even if I didn't follow exactly the path of my PhD afterwards, it's true that I learned a lot, not just about uh, uh, techniques and methods, Mm -hmm. uh, but also about how to put together the the most basic science Mm -hmm. and uh, um, the the bench to bed process, you know, bringing Mm -hmm. things from the lab to a real use For okay. for the people for functionality, right? Yes. And, and the and your postdoc was it in the same line? Uh, no, uh, my postdoc in Italy was on sensors. It was in another lab yet. Okay, so from sensors to bioluminescence to sensors again, yes. and now to sensors within. <laughs> it seems quite sensor path, I can say. Mm. <laughs> yes, actually, we were sensing things in a way also with luminescent uh, probes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It was in a different way. But yes, we were in a way also sensing. Mm. So it's a common, a common line in between all your yes, career. Yes, actually, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. a That's bit interdisciplinary and yeah. uh, with differences. But yes. That's good. Mm-hmm. What do you think to do after? Because now you have uh, three years of Cientia Fellow uh, yes. with this uh, project that you just planned. Mm-hmm. But three years goes very, very fast. <laughs> Too fast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> What are you thinking after? So, again, I'm obsessed with uh, sensor arrays. So I would like to apply these sensor arrays to multiple uh, applications Mm -hmm. uh, inside the biomedical field, but also environmental, Mm -hmm. for instance. If you have uh, polluted waters, Mm -hmm. you want to monitor uh, if they are improving or not. Or um, maybe you want to check uh, if a certain river... uh, Uh, has more or less pollution along the time or, uh, yes, along the seasons or mm-hmm. if uh, there is industry around, you want to check if the industry is, um, yeah, yeah, pouring things that they don't have to. So uh, basically sensors for um, all kind of, uh, of applications. Yes. Seems quite broad, though. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also for food. 
Okay. For uh, alimentary purposes, you can check if the food is going wrong okay. uh, because you can do sensors not just for liquids, but also for gas. Okay. And uh, you can check if there is adulteration mm-hmm. in uh, beverages. If something is modified. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is the m- most challenging thing with sensors or what do you like with working with sensors? So, I mean, what is the kind of passion about that? Okay, where do I begin with? <laughs> Because that's three questions. So the first one, what's the most challenging thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, the kind of approach I use, it's true that I more or less have an idea of the materials of the, uh, the sensors have to be done mm-hmm. of, but you never know how good they will perform until you try. Test them. Yeah. So it's a bit of uh, luck. It's a guided luck, right? Mm-hmm. So... Do you, That's have, the most challenging. do you have any experience with sensors, Matthias? Um, yeah, I've worked also with sensors, mostly opticals, not so much electrochemical okay. sensors. Mm. But yeah, I bet. I mean, that's also interesting for organ on chip, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so I think it's a very kind of like dynamic and kind of already, I would say, a bit old field. Though it's okay. kind of there, around there for many years. Um, yeah, for sure. It's very interesting. Um, What would you say that is more limiting Uh, when you're working with sensors? Mm, I mean, the electrochemical sensors, I think often are the issue, for instance, when that they kind of um, get blocked or they kind of... Um, ah, yes. So mm. they kind of not so long-term stable. Or many, many kind of in life science, many people prefer optical methods. And, yeah, and that's especially true for bio-electrochemical yeah. sensors. Okay. But if they are metal-based, you usually have less problems, even if they can also be clocked in a way. Okay. Yeah. So the materials is very important then. Yes, when yes, you're of course. Building up for the perform uh, for the um, for the signal, but also for how yeah. long the performance okay. will be and the maintenance mm-hmm. of the sensors. And just now, since you both are kind of uh, in part of the field, uh, this question will be for you both. But then it's like uh, I pick up one of the questions from Matthias: What is the motivation for the sensors? Why to? I understood this quite broad. Uh, Functionality is you can use it for many things, but why are you so passionate for sensors? I think they have a great potential. Okay. Uh, they can be very user user friendly. Mm-hmm. They can be fast, economic, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a lot of potentiality, especially if you're using more than one sensor, more than one kind. Because okay. you're getting a broad amount of very diverse information, mm-hmm. like the cells in the tongue. Mm-hmm. And for you, Matthias, what can be a motivation within sensors? I know it's not exactly your field, but since you have worked a little bit with optical ones. I mean, it depends. If you have cell culture, I think in the field of cell cultivation, in vitro cell cultivation, I think many people just don't really care about the cultivation conditions. No. They just uh, put the cells somewhere. And then I think controlling the culture environment mm-hmm. is actually quite important for quality control. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why that's kind of my approach, why I think it might be useful in that particular field. But I know that it's kind of very broad, usable mm-hmm. in yeah, any of kind of applications i mean that's a very important and big field but in particular for cell cultivation i think it's very good to have more quality control yeah so sensors. at the end it's kind of like it will give us a lot more accurate information then uh, as yeah. better the sensor it is and everything so it will be a huge help within research yeah, and uh, also yeah. permits continuous monitoring if you choose mm-hmm. the right sensors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Mm. I'm just a little curious about this material thing that you were commenting mm. because you said it can be, of course, can, kind of makes sense. It can be a problem. Uh, but why? Which type of materials do you use wow. in your sensors? <laughs> yeah, that, that's sorry. broad. Uh, so you can have uh, carbon-based sensors that have modification with metal oxide nanoparticles, for instance. That sounds stupid, but it's not. It actually sounds like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> completely complicated. <laughs> because, for instance, uh, I'm doing some experiments now uh, with uh, sensors modified with gold nanoparticles. Okay. And they are giving great results for certain kinds of amino acids. Yeah. Just for everyone to know that gold is pretty much used within research, within yep. basic research, because uh, of the properties of gold itself. Yeah. And yeah. when they are, uh, when the nanoparticles of gold have different properties from gold itself as yeah. well. Even yeah. the color. Yeah. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That sounds like, It's yeah. like, like, the, like the pregnancy tests. Okay. The, I think mm -hmm. the pregnancy tests uh, that have this... Uh, These antibodies with uh, gold nanoparticles, they look red. Oh, yeah, okay. That's so, why we say, okay, I yeah, didn't know a, that. Example that curious. Also, COVID tests is the, th yeah, the same yeah. approach. For sure. Oh, interesting. That's very interesting, actually. I didn't know that. No, no. me neither. But uh, another question, um, I mean, your background is actually in chemistry, right? So you moved from uh, yeah. chemistry to now biological uh -huh. applications. So how was that for you, kind of learning all this kind of other technologies and mm -hmm. working in a kind of very interdisciplinary environment? Uh, so I'm super happy because it's what I wanted to do always, because it's I'm an analytical chemist, but I'm also a very curious person. Mm -hmm. And uh, even during the bachelor, I was studying a bit of biology as of optative uh, subjects okay. and microbiology as well. Uh, so I was looking forward to have an opportunity to mix both worlds. Yeah, And these Sienche fellows gave me this opportunity. Mm. I mean, I think we have been talking about it through the episodes as well, and it keeps coming up this interdisciplinary type of environment I think is huge uh, advantage to be in such a situation and I think we as a researchers should keep in mind that of course you are very specialized in something very little but you need everything else and everyone else to help you and develop further. Yeah, I agree. So actually, one of the reasons why I wanted to become as interdisciplinary as I could, at mm -hmm. least at early stage, mm -hmm. is because further, uh, I, I mean, later on, it's easier to interact with all kinds of scientists, mm -hmm. which gives a broad uh, amount of opportunities for future projects, right? Mm -hmm. And more interesting mm -hmm. and more rich. Yeah, more they get yeah enriched because of the information from everyone. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mm -hmm. agree on that. So that was one of the reasons why, uh, apart from my curiosity. Yeah. Mm. Uh, could I ask, do you find that, um, let's say, interdisciplinary field here in Challenging? Norway? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's very challenging. Yeah. We know that. But do you, do you manage to get such a situation here in Norway? Is it easy? Is it fine? Is it, how is your situation right now? I don't understand exactly the the question. I mean, you come yourself have put you have put yourself in a very interdisciplinary place. Yes, because you're a chemistry working within biology field or, yeah. or bioscience. Hmm. Do you have that here in Norway as well? Are you collaborating with someone else? Is your group interdisciplinary or yeah, my group is not chemistry group? No. Okay. It's, uh, they work with mitochondria actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. 
<laughs> so you are kind of kind of you are the one that kind of bring in the sensor kind yeah. of knowledge into the group. Yes, yes, oh, that's yeah. the that's the thing. Uh, we are trying to find even ideas with my supervisor mm-hmm. for future projects involving uh, mitochondria and mm-hmm. uh, biomarkers related to mitochondria. Yeah. And their function. So I know here with me, I have two persons that come from a completely different field and they have just jumped into this bioscience uh, (laughs) situation now. How do you feel about it? Because you, Matthias, we know already what you are doing with this organ on a chip, but uh, you didn't do biology or anything like that before either. So I'm trying to... Tell me, how do you feel about it in this group? How is it to fit into a place where everyone else has done something else than you? For me, it's both exciting and a bit scary. (laughs) No, I think um, it's not really scary, I would say. I mean, I was also kind of trying to to do something in the lab, also cultivate some cells and so on. I think it's good to learn. And I mean, it's also not rocket science per se. Mm -hmm. It's just a kind of... Other way, I think the most different is the way kind of how people in life science or biology approach problems. Mm-hmm. As an engineer, you tend to be very structured and try yeah. to find the reason for that and why <laughs> something is not working. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> um, in uh, life science, often kind of it's a bit more an empirical approach. Yes. Where kind of it's a lot of trial and error. Um, I think that I had to learn, and I think it's. Um, it's interesting because it's um, for sure way more complicated systems mm-hmm. involved. So that means they are not so predictable mm-hmm. uh, as a technical system. So therefore, that is, I think, the, the major difference. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I think it a bit depends on who you work with. Um, I of mean, course. I mean, normally the people, you can also kind of teach uh, the biologists to, mm-hmm. to try a bit more structured yeah, approach. So it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like a, a process where both parts, let's say, from more analytical chemistry or engineering and biological kind of fall together and and adapt to each other. One's learning the other part and the other one's learning. No, is it? Yeah, absolutely. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Actually, when we have conversations uh, with uh, my supervisor, Mm -hmm. we get the most crazy ideas due to that Mm -hmm. because we have very different points of view. Apart from very different expertise, Mm -hmm. we have very different approaches. And then very creative and crazy things can come come from from that. I think that's super, super, super good uh, within science, actually, when you can put it from different points of view and and all together come up to a solution or to a new technique or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's very interesting. Mm. Okay. Uh, any other question, Matthias? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a bit curious. So you kind of moved first from Spain to Italy and now you moved to Norway. I mean, that is kind of a... You're very curious about this process of moving. Yeah, Norway. because yes, basically uh... you have been in the south before <laughs> now moving to <laughs> the, the north. The north? Well, actually, actually, Italy was still the north of Italy. Yeah, okay. okay. So it was like uh, getting ready because I was in the, in the foot of the Alps. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was chilly. Not as here, but it was nah, chilly. Nah. Winter. Uh, it could even snow sometimes. But it's three, it's three different cultures, though. In, yes, in yes, totally, totally different. Not so long period. But of time. Uh, again, I'm a very curious person, and not just in, uh, not just professionally. Mm-hmm. So living these very different experiences, it's also enriching personally, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. 
That's good. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask uh, maybe at last, because soon we have to wrap up, but um, how do you find the working environments within Spain, Italy and Norway? Do you think in science is very different? Uh, I would say yes. Okay. Because um, I would say that in the South there is a more pushy environment, okay. which doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it's more efficient, not necessarily. Okay. So that's something that called my attention. I surprised myself. I I I found myself uh, in a in a surprising uh, position when I was yeah not being pushed and not pushing myself uh, that much but still being as productive yeah as I could be in uh, other countries. Okay. That's interesting. I think that's one of the main experiences or personal experience you can bring from being in another country or in another place where you learn not only the work parts, but also the cultural part. Mm-hmm. And that could be sometimes a bit challenging as well. Yeah. Interesting. You have a long path uh, as I think it was uh, three countries. How many labs? Yeah. So in Spain was five different labs. Okay. Plus core facilities, but that's a part. In Italy, it was three labs. Okay. And in Norway, too. Okay, so you're growing and growing, <laughs> that's for sure. And in how long time, period of time? Uh, oh, let me see. Because it was not that's that a, long, a, wasn't it? A, a nine or ten years. That's a, yeah, too crazy. That's a lot of places. I don't know mm. if I would advise that to the audience because no. uh, then uh, it's more difficult to publish when you move so much. Mm. You have yeah. to be yeah. very well, or I mean, you have to organize in advance very well in order to maintain a good piece, a, pa- yeah. a pace of uh, yeah. publication when moving so much from country to country, lab to lab, and field to field. Yeah. So just plan. Well, yeah. if you want to do that. That, I would say, is a good conclusion for this episode today. Just knowing a little more about Gina, you will hear her more later on in the future because now she's on board. Yeah. But um, it's true that research fields uh, usually kind of promote uh, you as a researcher to move here and there. But when you do it too much, it can be also negative. So... Mm. It's always a, th- I don't know, thin yeah. layer. Is a I think it's a, it's really challenging because uh, normally it takes you at least one or two years until you get the first publication. Maybe yeah. if you're moved to a new place, yes. depending on the field. Yes. Um, um, especially if you have to set everything up or if there's or nothing there, results, then kind yeah. of takes quite a long time. I think mm. it's always a kind of trade-off between... Mm. Uh, Moving too much and moving too too little. Too little. Yeah. It also depends on uh, how lucky you are or where do you go. Because, for instance, in Italy, I went to uh, my postdoc in Italy was just one year, mm-hmm. but I had the luck to meet uh, a colleague and friend now, mm-hmm. uh, and together we could produce articles even if it in plural even mm-hmm. it was if it was just one year mm-hmm. so it will depend also on how for lucky sure, you are for sure for sure the situation mm-hmm. the 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 principal investigator the group the facility where your place everything takes uh, into the formula but uh, an interaction with colleagues yeah. productive interaction at instead of end, competing at the end uh, yeah, yeah the results can be what you don't expect sometimes so it's, mm-hmm. it's you have to be careful though within the career path. Yeah. Okay, with mm-hmm. that 
set, I think we can say goodbye today. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, it has been a pleasure to talk with you both. Thank you very much Thank for you. welcoming me. And I hope with this uh, you just enjoy hearing us and see you the next time. See you.